Well, welcome everyone. Uh, so glad that you all are here along with Luke's welcome from earlier. I want to make sure that you all know that we're super glad that you took time to be here with us this morning, whether you're watching online or whether you're here with us in person. It's a happy day. My name is Luke Broder. I'm the executive pastor here at YZ Free. Happy to be here with you today. Uh, a couple of announcements before we jump in. Uh, if you have a preschooler in your life, anyone two and a half years old through going to kindergarten this fall, we have our vacation Bible school coming up for them. So if that's uh, your son or daughter, if that's your grandson or daughter, if that's your neighbor, your niece or nephew, we would love to have them join us for VBS. All you need to do is go online and register for that. That's coming up, not this week, but the following week. And if you don't have a preschooler in your life, would you please pray for our preschoolers? Would you pray that they have a moment of connection, a moment of growth, a moment of friendship, all those things that take place uh, at a fun camp like that. The second announcement that I have for you is many of you may be wondering um, about the result of the end of our fiscal year. We sent a couple updates to you via email about that, and we don't have the official number to give you, so I'm going to keep you in suspense on that. But suffice it to say, uh, you all provided, God provided uh, in a really miraculous way, and we're extremely, extremely grateful tremendously grateful to those of you that gave towards that end of the year deficit that we were facing. Um, thank you so, so much for participating, for allowing God to work through you in that way. If you were one of those people, thank you. We are truly grateful for that. It really is very, very, very helpful for the ministry and the mission that God has us on here as a church. So today, uh, Luke, VM, and I are going to be talking a little bit more on this Lake Life sermon series, and uh, we're excited about today. It's going to yeah. be fun. Really, really fun. Um, we are going to talk a little bit about the idea of calling, which is a word that gets used very broadly in our Christian culture, right? Many of you uh, feel called to do different things. I myself have been called to do different things. I know that I was called to be a pastor. I was 14 years old when that took place. I know that I was called by God to marry my wife, Hillary. That became very, very clear early on in our dating life. Uh, we know that we were called to move back to Minnesota in 2020, right after we had spent a few years living in Illinois. That was a clear calling story in our lives. And maybe you too have a calling story where it became clear to you that God was asking something of you. God was pushing you or challenging you or inviting you to be a part of something that he was moving you towards. Maybe that was something to do with your job or your career. Maybe he was calling you to some sort of relationship in some, with someone or to reach out in some sort of relationship. Maybe he was calling you in, to move to a different place or to buy something or to sell something. Sometimes we say that people are called to a people or a place or a purpose. And that happens in our, in our lives. Sometimes we overuse the word, right? Like, I really feel called to go with Applebee's tonight as opposed to, <laughs> right? Or I'm really, I'm really feeling called to get that pair of sneakers, even though maybe I don't have the budget for it, right? It's just it's a calling from God, right? We sometimes overuse it, but the reality is, is that God does call out of us different things during different seasons in our life. Now, it sure would be nice if we could just clearly hear the voice of God every time that we were called to something, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be sure helpful? If Jesus was to just like walk up or come knock on the door or send us a text and be like, hey, this is what I'm calling you to, right? That would be an awful lot easier. Well, the story we're talking about today is actually, that actually happened for some people. That actually took place. Jesus literally walked up to them while they were doing their day-to-day lives and he said, hey, I'm calling you to come follow me. That's pretty cool, right? 
Pretty cool. It's the reason why I think these, uh, how many of you guys have ever read or used these Jesus Calling devotions? You guys ever heard of those? This is the family version that we use at our house. And this, uh, Sarah Young is the author. And it's sort of this like infamous movement that's taken over the world, this Jesus Calling devotion, because she writes as if Jesus himself was talking to us. It's as if Jesus was sharing his voice with us. Because ultimately what many of us are searching for is for God's will to truly be done in our lives. What we're ultimately searching for is to know that the direction of our lives matches the direction that God would call us towards. But figuring that out can be extremely challenging. So we think that today's story is going to be really helpful for us in learning what it feels like to be called by God into something extra Ordinary. You're going to hear us use that word, extraordinary, that tag extra. When you just use it alone, we know what that means, right? Extra, like I'm going to have more of something, right? Many of us this weekend are going to have extra hot dogs and extra chips, right? Extra cookies and candy and all those yummy things, right? But when you tag it onto a word, in the case of extraordinary, it means beyond, It means you're going to go beyond something. So the terms of extraordinary living means living beyond the ordinary. It means living beyond your everyday status quo life. And we believe that Jesus is calling all of us in different ways, in different seasons, to live beyond what we consider to be ordinary. Okay? I'm going to invite you all to please stand with us. I'm going to pray, I'm going to read our passage out of uh, Mark chapter 1, and then I'm going to introduce uh, Luke Vium to you all, okay? So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we all come here to this church this morning, uh, taking a step outside of our everyday ordinary living, taking a step out of our uh, work and our, our careers, God, taking a step out of our uh, family meals and the family celebrations that we're having this weekend, and God, we just pause in your presence right now. And I ask God that you would help us to quiet our hearts. And I ask God that you would help us to open our minds. And I ask God that you would help us to be reflective about the ordinary lives that we live. And to possibly this morning hear your voice calling something extraordinary out of us. And God, I believe you can and will do that for us this morning. And so it's in the name of Jesus that we receive these words today. Amen. Mark chapter 1, starting in verse 14. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God, and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little further, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat, mending the nets. And immediately he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with hired servants and followed him. You can all be seated. 
Uh, it's a treat. It's fun for us to be able to do things uh, a little different sometimes. And Pastor Kevin invited uh, Luke Viam and I to share this message with you together. Luke is on staff. He's our production, our service producer. Service producer. Service producer. So if you've ever watched our services online and you see how the beautiful camera work keeps you engaged <laughs> in the action... That's what Luke does. If you, you know that he, uh, makes sure that things work properly around here. He leads our meetings before service because we are just like, it's like herding cats trying to get this group of people to focus on making a service happen. But little known is that uh, Luke is per- currently pursuing his Masters of Divinity at Denver Seminary. He carries a rich biblical uh, background and a ton of really great perspective on the world. So uh, Luke and I are going to share the message here today. We're going to go back and forth a little bit. Someone, uh, Jim Sorvig, told one of our staff members this week that once he heard that this was happening, he said, they're going to Luke it out, aren't they? Oh, gosh. And I liked that. <laughs> I thought that was I awesome. It. So I love it. that's what's going to happen. We're going to uh, pass back and forth a little bit as we yeah. go. And uh, yeah, Luke, take it away, man. Thanks, Luke. Uh, yeah, it's just so fun. I feel like we both bring a lot of energy to, <laughs> to Sunday mornings. So that's why I'm having a, a cup of tea to just try and calm the <laughs> calm nerves a little, a little bit, bit and not just be running back and forth because I am excited this morning. Um, and I have the privilege to kind of open up this text. And as Luke was reading it, I think you might have seen that it seemed like there were two different parts of this text that we're going to be looking at. There's the message that Jesus preached, and then there was that that response of those first disciples where they immediately left what they were doing and followed Jesus. And I think it's really important to see these events connected. Because I, I think often when we read the Bible and we see these headings break up the text, we think, oh, this was like one episode, and then no connection, here's the next episode. But I think here we see Jesus preaching a message on the lakeshore, which he often did. And then maybe just five minutes later, he sees the guys who were in the crowd watching go back to their job, and he starts to call them. And I I think it's really important for us to learn how to read the text with our imaginations. I think our imagination is one of God's gifts for help bringing us into his story that he's trying to tell us. Um, And I know this can be challenging because we are not in first century Israel. We don't know what their customs were. We don't know what it was like back then. So it's hard to jump in and have an understanding of what the details might have been. Which is why it's so great that, I don't know if you've seen the show The Chosen, it kind of jumps us into these stories and we can see them how they might have been. And as a little bit of a Bible scholar myself, they're really good. (laughs) <laughs> they're, they're, they, they've kind of hit that sweet spot of being faithful to the text, of adding a little more drama to make it more exciting than just words on a page. But they've also added this element where it like tugs at our hearts, where that emotional piece that's sometimes hard to give in a message, but when we see a story, it pulls on us. I think they've nailed that really well without being cheesy. So that is my... Um, <laughs> Advertisement. Advertisement (laughs) for The Chosen. So um, I'm just going to jump in and talk about it. Um, I think it's really interesting, the message that Jesus preached. Um, I don't know if in reading it you caught, it was only 17 words. And in the Greek, it's only 15. So in 15 words, does Jesus teach everything he's going to teach? I don't think so. I think Mark has distilled it down. He, He summarized it. Because all the people that he's writing this letter to, they, they know the message of Jesus. They know what he would have taught. But 
us, 2,000 years later, we don't quite know exactly what Jesus would have taught. And so I love asking the text questions of, what did Jesus say? What would, what would have been the gospel Jesus brought that Saturday morning? Because I don't think it's the same gospel message that we necessarily bring Sunday after Sunday. Because often what we reproclaim is that Jesus came into the world, died to forgive us of our sins, so that we can go to heaven when we die. And I, I love that message. But I don't think Jesus could, could have preached that. There were some important events that hadn't happened yet. And then, I, I mean, Jesus didn't even have the Romans road to walk people down to explain what the gospel is. So what is the gospel? And it's interesting because throughout that culture, there are different gospels, which just means good news, a good happening that's going on in the world. And Rome, the, the imperial power of the day, they had a gospel, and that is Caesar is king. The peace of Rome has covered the whole world. It's peace on earth, goodwill towards men, on whom the favor of Rome rests, and anybody else will be crushed. And I think the, the Jewish people at this time had a, a gospel of their own as well. And that was, we Jews are God's chosen people. And right now we're down and out, but someday God will crush all the Gentiles and he will restore us to the position we deserve. We're going to rule over all of the nations. But I, I don't think Jesus' gospel quite fits into either of those. I think he had something different in mind when he was preaching his gospel. So trying to get into the mind of Jesus, trying to put my first century Jew hat on, what would have been that gospel? And so I started looking in the Old Testament. Like, where does good news pop up in the Old Testament? Because I think that's where Jesus would have gone because Jesus was in love with the Old Testament. And there, there was one text as I started doing that study that popped out at me like the bat signal over Gotham City. <laughs> and that's uh, from Isaiah 52, verse 7. Here it is on the screen. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who brings the gospel, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. Now this is a prophetic poem found in Isaiah about this runner who's coming from, you got a picture, he's coming from a battle that's been going on to give Jerusalem the news of what happened. Did the good guys win or did the bad guys win? And his message is, the good guys won. God has won the day. And more than that, God is on the move to bring salvation, to bring good news. He is going to restore everything that is broken and make it new. And I think when Jesus read these Old Testament texts, he saw himself in the story. I think Jesus saw himself as this messenger. He is the one who has the beautiful feet, who's coming to bring a message of salvation. And I think that Jesus does that by just, he would have looked a little further down that scroll and he would have seen the poems about the suffering servant. In Isaiah 52 and Isaiah 53. About this servant of the Lord who gets trampled down, beaten, and eventually killed for his people. There was a different time when Jesus opened a scroll, the scroll of Isaiah. And he said that today, 
in your hearing, everything that I just read has been fulfilled. I think Jesus, proclaiming this message of good news, he would have done the same thing. He is coming to make all things new. The kingdom of heaven is at hand wherever Jesus is walking, because he's opening the way for everyone. This is the cosmic scope of the gospel, because I do believe that the gospel transforms us individually, but that's because we get caught up in this grand story that God is changing everything. That this whole world will be transformed to become more like heaven. We're just the first fruits of that to show how good it's going to be. And then after the message, Jesus says what kind of response he's looking for. He's asking people to repent and believe into the good news. And this just simply means that he is looking for them to turn around, to change their direction, which is repent, and to believe, which means live as if this is true. Live now as if heaven has already come in me. Live a heaven type of lifestyle right now. And I think that's what his sermon on the mount was all about, of how to live that heaven lifestyle here on earth. And so as we read what his message may have been, we see that there are a lot of things that aren't going to fit in the kingdom of heaven. Things like greed, jealousy, and anger, and holding grudges or gossiping, violence. We see sexual expressions outside of God's commands. That's not going to have room anymore. And I don't think any of the isms, classism, racism, consumerism, all of these are going to fall away because they're not going to fit into the good kingdom that Jesus is bringing. So we need to start putting those aside and walking in a new way, the way of Jesus. And then we see an example of how people do respond. The, we, we see this is the way Jesus wants people to respond, repent and believe, and then we get stories of people actually doing it, which I think is great. And I love getting into the mind of these disciples because who were these guys that Jesus decided to change the world with? And how might I be like them? Because I know that God is calling me just like he called them. And then we get, we get the names. It's two sets of brothers. We get Simon and Andrew, the, the brother of Simon. Which, that's got to be rough that whenever your name is said, it's like the brother of the other guy. <laughs> and that Simon is also who we call Peter, which is a nickname God gave him, which means the rock, which I think is really cool because no other time in history up until here were people called Peter. That is a new name that Jesus gave, which is it's the rock. I grew up watching WWF wrestling, and so I get it. It's <laughs> The Rock. He, Wait, that's not his real name. <laughs> it becomes his real name. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so good. And so as I, I look into this moment where Jesus calls these young men, and really it seems like just randomly out of the blue. So looking at some of the other gospel accounts, we see that these guys were loosely attached to John the Baptizer's movement, who in the first verse that we read had just gone to prison. So I I think these guys were guys who were on the fringes and kind of seeing what John was about. But as soon as he goes to jail, they're like, let's just go back to our thing. Let's just go back to our ordinary life. And then this new preacher comes on the scene, 
proclaiming not just I'm preparing the way, but I am the way. And when that man comes to them, the disciples, the future disciples, they drop everything. Mark Loves uses the word immediately. This happened, and then immediately this, then immediately that. And it makes me think of my time in the Marine Corps. And the first thing they teach us before how to shoot, before how to march, is they teach us how to have immediate obedience to orders. They don't even want us to think about the order coming in. They just want us to be doing it before we've even thought about it. Mm. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) And I think we see a hint of that in these disciples, that they have that immediate pull to follow Jesus. Because they had, because what Jesus was communicating to them was a compelling vision. And I think it's tied into that, come follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. He tied into what they knew and said, I'm going to point everything you are, all the skills you've honed, everything that you've learned and set your mind to, I'm going to use all of that in this new way that will have eternal rewards. It'll have eternal consequences. And that's compelling to know that nothing is wasted. See, and I I love that this is the text for 4th of July weekend because a lot of us are going to be going fishing this weekend. Hmm. As soon as I could hold a pole, I was fishing. It's actually how I initially earned my nickname, Lucky Luke. Because it seemed like every time I would put my line in the water and pull it up, there'd be a sunfish on it. How great is that? <laughs> but there, it kind of seems like my, my luck has dried up. I don't think I possess all the great qualities and skills that fishermen need. Not like my dad over there. <laughs> he has the patience. He's able to sit quietly and stilly, which I still struggle with. And just wait. And and not just waiting, like, passively, but how to make it look like there's the bait is appealing. How to go to the right spots in the lake, to know where the, the fish are, and to, to compellingly grab them. And I think these disciples knew how to do that, too. And Jesus is like, what you've been doing for, for fish, you're going to start doing for people now. Those skills aren't wasted. I need those in my kingdom. Let's just point them this way. And I think that gives us a lot of hope too, knowing that what we're doing now isn't wasted. God is going to use our lives as long as we say yes to that invitation to follow. And what we see is, what I see as I read this, is uh, Peter and Andrew grabbing that that net, and throwing it in the water and letting it sink and waiting for the fish to swim into it so they can pull them out. And it's getting full. And Jesus comes up at that moment and says, come follow me. And immediately, with their net filling with fish, they leave. They leave that last payday behind because something better has come. And I see James and John mending a net, getting it ready for the next day's work, along with their father and the hired hands. Like, their whole small family business is there, and they're a necessary part of it. But when Jesus comes, gives them the call, come follow me, they leave their half-mended nets, they leave their closest relationships and their financial security to follow Jesus. 
they drop their nets and they get out of the boat. Yeah. Uh, I really appreciate the way Luke is piecing these pe- things together and, and talking about the cosmic scope of the gospel, talking about the kingdom of God, because the reality is, is that it, it's only a kingdom if there's a whole movement of people involved, right? Just a guy standing on a shore of a lake or, or just a guy and 12 people following him, that's not a kingdom. But a kingdom is, is when there's a movement that gets sparked and a bunch of people get on board. And, and I think what we are trying to help everyone here see is that that kingdom is still on the move today. That God's kingdom is still at work, even in this crazy world that we live in now 2,000 years later. That kingdom is still trying to advance and grow and push the gospel into the world, just like it always has. And the reality is, is that in order for that kingdom to keep moving, in order for that uh, gospel to continue being preached, every single one of us has the same responsibility as these first followers— to immediately repent, turn away from the ordinary, and start to follow, to advance the kingdom of God. And what we would believe is that every single one of us has a role. Every single one of us has a responsibility. Every single one of us has a calling on our lives that can help, right? And so what we want to try to spend the last few minutes of the message on here is talking through how each one of you might be out there receiving this idea of, I have a responsibility in the kingdom of God. Right? Some of you here today might need some encouragement to see that, uh, some affirmation to help understand what that means for you in your life. Some of you might need a little bit of a, a, a challenge or a little bit of a push. And others of you might need to hear an invitation into the kingdom of God, an invitation into that work, because maybe you haven't ever received that type of invitation before. But I think the ultimate goal here is for all of us to sit here and think through our ordinary lives, our work, our family, our friendships, our day-to-day rhythm, our schedule, and all of those things, and try to understand what it would look like to go beyond that. What it would look like to be one of these guys that is willing to set down the ordinary, to make a pivot, make a turn, in order to immediately follow Jesus in that way, okay? So we're going to bounce on some of these ideas, and and hopefully this will help each of you, no matter where you're at in life or where you're at today, engage with this idea of turning and following Jesus. Yeah, Um, and I have the pleasure of starting with the encouraging piece, which is always nice to be the encourager rather than the challenger, (laughs) at least for me. Uh, And so, like, my initial question is, how does this gospel message encourage you? And for me, it's, it's tied both to that eternal security. What an encouraging thought that death is not the final word in our lives. But also that with that, the eternal life has been made now. That our lives are filled with cosmic significance. The little actions we do now will pay out huge in eternity to come. But to do that, to, to have those actions matter, we have to break out of our ordinary styles and our ordinary ways of doing it, or we might need to be pushed out of them. Um, so we're going to be talking about the Enneagram a little bit, which is this personality indicator. Um, all you have to know is I'm an achiever, hmm. which is fun because it's, I, I'm, I play both sides of that coin. I am both an overachiever. I love to strive, work hard, but I can also be an underachiever. In that, sometimes I'm like, this doesn't matter. I'm not going to work hard at it. Hmm. And I think 
that both of these get encouraged by the gospel. Because when I am striving, when I am pushing, when I am wanting to make things happen for myself, I get tired. I get worn out. I can even get depressed when it's not going well. I'm, I'm like, what, am I, what did I get myself into is what I'm feeling inside. I, I can't handle this. I can't handle the own things that I've gotten myself into. And I think that's where the gospel meets me often. Because the message that Jesus was proclaiming wasn't, the kingdom is, of heaven is coming and it's up to you. No. The kingdom of heaven is coming and it's up to Jesus. He is our trailblazer. He sets the way. He's the one who makes the kingdom near at hand. He makes it available to us. We don't have to manufacture it. We don't have to pretend like it's here when it isn't, because it's just here in Jesus. But then it also helps when we feel like we get stuck in the ordinary. This is my more depressive moments, when I'm like, Day after day after day, it just doesn't feel like it matters. Um, there was a time when I was just cleaning up after people. That was my job. And every day, I was cleaning the same messes. The same bathrooms, the same classrooms, the same teachers' lounges, the same sanctuary, over and over and over and over and over and over again. And I was often asking, does this matter? Have you ever been there where the mundane, ordinary life is just like, does this matter? And like you can kind of talk to yourself, oh, it matters for this, pe- this person or those people. But that idea, that sense of, does this matter? Or are we just running through the, the stages of life? Oh, I, I need to get through school so I can get a job, so I can make lots of money. So I can buy a car, a car, a house, <laughs> a cow. <laughs> so so that I can be an attractive person, so I can get married and then have a couple kids, and then have this American dream, which is beautiful. I think there's a lot of goodness and satisfaction in that. But if we're just racing through the stages to get done with them, we're going to get through with them and wonder where did my life go? Did what I do matter? And I think Jesus is telling these guys to come follow him, saying, your life can matter more than you ever dreamed it could be. Come follow me. I'm going to make you fishers of men. Your mundane work is going to be transformed by the power of the kingdom. And I think that word is true for all of us here. Our ordinary lives can be made extraordinary when we see it in light of the gospel and the cosmic scope of what God is doing to restore all things. So little things like random acts of kindness, they matter. They're going to pay dividends in the eternity that God is setting up. When we're, say, share a nice word instead of a mean word, when we choose not to gossip, when we have something really juicy, some insider information that we know would make someone might not look so good, but make you look really good. All that gets transformed and shifted, and we see that this new way of life brings life in ways we never could have imagined. And we're encouraged to walk in that way. There is energy there. There is hope there. There is life there that is found nowhere else. 
And we have to drop our nets to do that. That's good. That's good. I hope you guys can see that idea that, you know, there are moments where it does mean drop your net, leave everything behind, go. And there's also moments where it just means little pivots in your attitude, little pivots in your perspective, little pivots in the way you spend your time and the way you treat your neighbors and all those things. Now, uh, I, on the Enneagram, if you're familiar, I'm an eight. All you need to know what that means is that I am uh, labeled literally the challenger, <laughs> okay? Um, which means it's fun for me to not only say like, yeah, maybe you need some encouragement to know that everything's okay, but also to look at some of us and say, let's go, guys. Come on. We got to get things moving. I used to describe myself as the other side of the seesaw. So if I see things tipped one way, I really like to push on that other end, right? So when I look at our culture today, when I look at the world that is so caught up in looks and appearance, that is so caught up in money and wealth and is so caught up in career and power and profession and all these things, I can't help but just want to push on the other end of that seesaw and say, is this really, really, really why God designed us? Is this actually why we're here? So that we can go and back into our normal everyday lives and just just pull in a few more fish, right? Just cast out one more net and maybe this time we'll get a big one, right? Maybe, maybe this time will be a big catch. But then guess what? As soon as you pull that one catch in, guess what you want to do? Well, there's got to be more. I'm going to go again. Oh, look at this huge one. I wonder if there's a bigger one. And I sometimes just have to wonder if Jesus was to be here with us today and he looked at the way our culture exists. If he looked at the way we prioritize our lives and prioritize our time. I just have to wonder how he would feel. I have to wonder what he would think about these big single-family homes with locked doors and privacy fences. I have to wonder what he would think about our addiction to escaping into the digital world of of scrolling feeds and and snapping photos and and staring at these shows that we're binge-watching. I have to wonder how he felt when he was walking along the shores of the Sea of Galilee and he saw these men just pulling in another catch. And that was the totality of their existence, was another catch after another catch after another catch until your fingers can't pull in anymore. And I just have to wonder today if there isn't a pivot that you and I can make, a a way that we can turn away from our obsessions if we can't maybe pivot and turn away and repent a little bit of the way our culture likes to drag us into things that don't actually matter in the kingdom of God. I have to wonder if he isn't here challenging us, pushing us, saying, you know what? Fishing doesn't matter that much when it comes to the cosmic scope of the gospel that is here for the salvation of the world. Mending nets isn't going to save souls. There are people out here that don't know what the love that I have is for them. There are people out in this world that have never experienced peace like I can bring. There are people out there who are so caught up in their sin that they don't feel that there is a path beyond that. And guess what? We are here to be the ones that share that love, that provide that peace, that bring the gospel to the world. That's why we exist in the kingdom of God. 
That is our job, our calling, our purpose as believers. To go into the world that's distracted. To go into the world that's caught up. To go into the world whose priorities are messed up. And not just join them. Not just get distracted with them. Not just say, well, they're doing it. I guess I'll do it too. They're fishing. I guess I'll fish too. But to say, God has a better path for you. God has a greater purpose for you. God has a love that I've experienced in my life and I want to share that love with you. I want to tell you about it. That is where our true meaning comes from. He, he looks at those guys fishing and he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And I agree with Luke that 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 phrase is summarized down to something that was probably a much broader teaching. And I imagine that he followed up by saying, I will show you how to find greater purpose in your life. Stick with me and I will teach you. Stay close to me every day and I will show you the little ways that your life can have a greater purpose. Just follow me and I will show you the rest. So if you're looking for an action step today to find something beyond the ordinary, stick with Jesus and I promise you, he will show you day in and day out as you're interacting with your coworkers, as you see your neighbors across the street, as you're driving down the road and you see someone maybe begging on the sides, as you're looking at information about mission trips, as you're thinking through your career or your profession or the decisions you're making. As you're deciding how you're going to spend your money. As you're praying through, processing through how you want to treat your family in that tense moment. Stick with Jesus and follow him. And I promise he will continue showing you what it looks like to follow him. What it looks like to advance his kingdom. To live beyond the world's ordinary operating procedures. I've grown the most in times where I've been challenged and pushed, and maybe today that is your moment as well to be challenged a little bit. Yeah. Um, just to close out our time, we're just going to be talking about how we are invited to follow. And I hope, hope, hope that you have heard that invitation this morning. That this wasn't just a call for those uh, fishermen in the first century. That call is to us now. And I think that invitation comes in big moments. I, I remember when I was just a little boy, still in my Lucky Luke phase, when I heard the invitation to follow for the first time, and I gave my life over to Jesus. And I remember a little later when I felt the, that call into ministry, that feeling that there is nothing else that I can do but serve in the church and in the kingdom. And I said yes to that invitation. I think I'm really good at big invitation yeses. And I think most of us are, because when we get those big invitations, we can kind of see where that's going to bring us. And it's easy to say yes. But I also think that it's, there's little invitations offered as well. And we just know in our mind that, oh, this is a moment where I can do the right thing. Where I can share a little more of myself and be real. Or I can hold back and I, I can get away with it um, because I don't really need to, to show up. And instead of taking the invitation and saying yes, we, in those small moments, sometimes say no. 
And I think the beauty of the gospel is that the invitation keeps coming. And we see that primarily in Peter's story where he is invited this moment, come follow me. And Peter drops his net and he goes running. But there are other times when we see that when Jesus died, Peter went back to fishing. He picked up that net again, just like he did when John was arrested. He's got this little pattern going on. But then we see Jesus show up again. And he gives the invitation once again to follow his way. This time, it's not to become a fisher of men, but it's to start to feed the sheep. His, his vocation changes a little bit, going from a fisherman to a shepherd. But the idea of still, you have purpose still. Even when you've said no to those little invitations where you realize that you said no to God. And we all have those moments. There will be another moment when you can say yes. So say yes. And maybe you've said yes, but then you've gone back. You've picked up that old net. You've gone back to your old patterns. You've gone back to the ordinary. Jesus is calling you once again to follow. Please drop those nets and follow Jesus. The way is so much better. All of our guilt falls off. All of our shame, all of that striving can fall away and we can have peace again. Jesus publishes peace for us. And we are invited to follow in to that way of life. So, in this moment, if you've said yes before, and you know there are areas where you're saying, where you have said no, the next opportunity you have, say yes. And if in your life you have never said yes, and you have heard the call before, or you can feel the call now, I urge you, Drop that net. You don't need it anymore. That security you're holding on to, let it go. Follow Jesus and he will make you something more than you could ever dream you could be. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> I was just thinking um, about something my dad used to say to us all the time growing up. Uh, he said, if you're going to be a milkman... Be the best milkman you can be. I was like, okay. <laughs> Not my plan, but I suppose. But the, I, it sunk in, obviously, like it sunk in over time. That idea of, it's not so much what you do as it is how you do it. And I think that same concept lives here. That it, whatever it is that you're doing, do it for Jesus. Do it for the kingdom of God. If you're going to be a spouse... Be the most affirming, encouraging, loving spouse you can be. If you're going to be a parent, be the most dedicated, intentional parent you can be. If you're going to be a manager of people, be the most compassionate manager you can be. If you're going to change diapers, pray over that baby while you're doing it. Right? If you're going to work in the lawn and work in yards, praise God and sing songs to him while you're doing it. Whatever it is that you spend your time on, professionally, throughout your day, be the best you can be. Because God's kingdom is calling each of us to be a part of it. He's inviting, encouraging, challenging all of us to find little ways, starting today, to go out and be fishers of men. Uh, we're uh, grateful for the time.
that you guys have spent with us today. We believe that God has a blessing over all of you, so we're going to invite you to please stand. We're going to uh, close with a prayer, and we're going to send you off into the world, and all of us are going to be encouraged to follow Jesus in new ways this week. Thanks all so much for being here. Let's pray together. Jesus, we are so grateful that you are here and that your word gets spoken out. That word of encouragement, of challenge, and of invitation is here right now. Lord, may we immediately respond to your word. Be with us this week. Keep us safe as we travel, as we light fireworks, and as we do all of the things of celebration and help us to see that beyond the freedom that this country provides is a freedom that we can find only in you. You are the one that binds us all together. I love you so much. Amen. Amen. And God's peace.